0: Welcome back to the White Hockey Periodical Podcast. I'm Mr. Dodder here once again. Again, it should always be somebody's podcast. We are now going to talk more panthers focus. Last week was with Greg Wachinski from more of a national perspective. But now let's focus on this team in more depth. And there's nobody better to do that with than Florida Hockey Now's. George Richards somewhere on I-4, probably, after watching last night's brawl in Orlando. I guess we're giving that game a name. Or are we?
1: Yeah, yeah. what well, was like something, uh, fight night at the... Orlando, I don't know. Fight night at the arena. Oh, that went
0: away a long time ago.
1: Well, we could, you know what? Fight night at the arena. That works. Well, well, I mean, it's a big arena in Orlando. Like, like, come on, why can't we do that? Uh, I mean, we have to bring it
0: back. I was going to start this discussion with something else, but then last night happened. I have to ask you: uh, do these teams actually hate each other, like, legitimately? Because I got a feeling they legitimately hate
1: each other. You know what? You talk to people, you know, you talk to players on both sides, and it's, oh, we respect them. And the Panthers were very complimentary of the Lightning, you know, once that series ended, um, as heated a series as it was. And then you hear the Tampa side of it, like, oh, my gosh, the Panthers so improved. And, you know, the first 25 minutes of hockey was, you know, pretty boring. And then, boom, it explodes again. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, they're not real big fans of one another, but they are very respectful through the media, so good for them. Well, I don't.
0: They're very particularly hockey, and they don't want to incite
1: controversy
0: in air quotes by saying anything, although saying something would make the rivalry better, which is maybe Tampa doesn't need it, but the Panthers to get the gin up of interest with. An actual legitimate rivalry that is two-sided and not just Panthers fans hating Rangers fans for being obnoxious in Sunrise all the time that's good for this team
1: and I mean they're certainly playing their part (laughs) yeah no listen you know I asked Quinville about that and he goes listen you know Tampa Bay is our rival I said does Tampa Bay look at you and he goes well you know all the other teams are Tampa's rivals because they got the the target on their back but You know, from what we've seen, every time the Panthers play Tampa Bay, it's, you know, pretty much a very salty affair. So I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, Tampa Bay looks at the Panthers with a little bit of scorn as well. So it's been fun. I mean, listen, I'm even going back five, six years when, you know, the Panthers weren't very good and looking when, you know, when Tampa Bay wasn't very good. Those games always did seem to have a little bit of an edge to them. You always had some chippy stuff. Uh, you always had some extra fights, you know you had the you know all kinds of stuff happened when Tampa Bay and Florida played, so it's not like it's new, but now I think it's more on a national scale because people are watching especially after that you know uh whatever game game fifty five last year that that Saturday night game. Or Friday, whatever it was. It was was Saturday, but I
0: forget about that game. Considering Game One of the playoffs was legitimately the most insane game of playoff hockey, I think
1: a lot of people have ever seen. But that kind of that was the appetizer that got everybody interested in it. Because I don't think without that game fifty-five and then fifty-six, that you know, then we had a week to to digest it. And people around the, you know, around the hockey world were like, oh, we gotta watch this. This is gonna be fun. I don't think you pro- you have that if it's just Tampa Bay versus Florida. Maybe,
0: maybe not. But I think something that Greg Wasitzky mentioned last week is that the Lightning kind of got shocked a little by how the Panthers came out and flew at them, and maybe that reawakened, you know, the Lightning thing that they do that they got over after 2019. And maybe that's the reason why there's a rivalry, because Tampa knows Florida gets the best out of them. And I'm going to make this point when we do Tommy and I talk about it later. Tampa's going to have games this year where it looks like they don't care because they're the two time defending champs and they can sleepwalk through the regular season. But those four games against Florida, there will not be any sleepwalking. They are going to be intense games. And I think a number of people have mentioned it now. The fact that none of them are on national television is really an embarrassment because, you know, you could argue it's the best rivalry in hockey at this very moment and nobody's going to watch the games unless they play again in the playoffs. But it's kind of crazy. uh,
1: Yeah, I was surprised by that just because there was so much hype and um, the ratings were so good for for that six-game series that you would think ESPN and TNT would be all over it because – you know, these aren't, you know, these aren't the usual NBC rules where, you know, you you have Buffalo on 15 times a season because that one percentage point jacks up the ratings. I mean, ESPN's showing Edmonton and, you know, they're showing Canadian teams, which NBC would never do. So it doesn't seem like they just want to show the best games. And for them not to show any of those, I, yeah, kind of weird.
0: Some of it has to be, you know, they're putting the games behind a streaming paywall. So that means the diehard of diehards are going to watch. It's not the, you know, your casuals watching Edmonton Buffalo. But I mean, whatever the case may be, I wanted to now get to this team because you've been around them longer than any of us have, maybe other than Goldstein, but or Moeller, I guess Moeller would be around longer, but oh, yeah, other yeah than, wins. Other, other than maybe 96, 97, I can't think of a season in which this team has had more expected of it than this one. And in the past, I've joked that the Panthers' good seasons in recent years have been by accident. When other things have happened around them, they fell into the void and they took advantage. But then the next season proved that that was a fluke. This doesn't feel like a fluke Mm. to me. And I don't think, and whatever you think of their preseason record, the sense you get around the team is just how determined they are and how motivated they are. Because they know they have a really good opportunity this season and one that has not come around for this franchise pretty much ever.
1: I think that the when you talk about anticipation and expectations, there have been years where you're like, yeah, the Panthers are going to be really good this year. They might win a round or two in the playoffs. And I think right now there's people like, yeah, this team, when they say we play for Stanley Cups here in Florida, there aren't people in the corner giggling. You know, Dale Talon used to say that all the time, and you'd kind of be like, all right, Dale, whatever. Um, but – this team legitimately, I think, you know, could make that kind of a run. Um, You know, they, they look stacked. If, if they can, if the depth defensively holds up, if the goaltending looks as good as privately people within the Panthers have told me they expect it to, yeah, I mean, this is a team that we saw in the playoffs last year. It, it only went six with with Tampa, but that was a major league baby step for the Panthers. Um, you know, Tampa Bay showed the Panthers how to win a, how to win a playoff series because you can point to Game One. There was a chain. You know, the Florida. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda Game One. Florida woulda, coulda, shoulda Game Two. And that's the series right there. You go back to Tampa. You go to Tampa down 0-2. Tampa figured out the, the woulda, coulda, have, shoulda, have and got it done. And I think, you know, that's that was a really good growing moment for the Panthers, as painful for them as it may have been. So, yeah, this is the first time that we've really been able to say, yeah, this team could do it. You know, this team could win something. Um, and I don't even think, you know, going back to the excitement, the offseason of 16, when you had the, the, the new uniforms and all the new free agents that came to town and, you know, the, you know, Vincent Trocheck contract extension, Eckblad, you know, all the stuff that went on in 2016 you were like, yeah, the Panthers are on the right track, but I don't think anybody was, was was thinking about, you know, the Stanley Cup, at least, you know, not hockey people around the league. And I think that people around the league are looking at the Panthers as one of those top teams.
0: I mean, we look back on 2016 now, and you can see a little undercurrent of like maybe there was something there that we should have noticed at the time that we didn't notice, and hindsight has proven that, but this team is very different to that. The one thing I think, I'm going to talk about it a lot in future shows, and why this team has potential to be so good, is the depth of forward is ludicrous. I mean, they have some injuries right now, and that's going to yeah. happen. But yeah. it is ludicrously deep. I, in recent years, the, the issues with the Panthers were you would put Barkoff and Uberdo together, and whoever was on their line, Dadenoff or whomever, would do great. And then the rest of the team was a bit of a black hole. Nothing happened. And teams could load up to stop that top line, and they did. And now this team's got a preposterous amount of depth, and it got deeper this off season. And I think to me, the biggest strength as to why this team has a chance to challenge for the Stanley cup is because putting Barkoff and Hubert together is like the fifth most likely thing they might do. And they don't even have to, it's not even a need. It might not even be a want because they have the balance. And I think you uh, have seen all these teams, like this is the deepest group and the most skilled group that they ever have. And I don't think they've even scratched the surface yet of what they could possibly do with all these forwards.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is by far the toughest Panther team to make in history. I mean, um, when you were looking at the roster, you know, we were saying, well, maybe they'll make a couple trades just to, you know, break open some spots. Um, and some pretty productive players' names were, were jostled around as potential, you know, well, they could trade this guy. Well, this guy scored, you know, da-da-da, you know. And that's how deep this team is because you want to see some of the younger guys. <clears throat> but then again, you don't. And, you know, Noah Chari being hurt, um, that's going to hurt the team. I mean, because Noah Chari is one of those guys that can do so much for you, um, especially late in the game if you're holding a one-goal lead or something. He's always out there. Um, that's going to affect him. We don't know how long he'll be out just yet, but it doesn't look good. So, that, you know, that'll affect him. But, you know, you've got guys that I think that can, can, can bring in there. And, you know, we're going to see Anton Lindell – in Tampa, I believe. And we'll see, you know, see what he can do at the end, you know, at this level. Um, So it's going to be very interesting to see how things work out, but I I've just never seen a forward forward set here in Florida as deep as they are. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the comment, like you said, we saw Huberdo with Barkov late last year for about what a game or two. We'll see them together just because you got to put peanut butter with the jelly We'll see it. We just won't see a lot of it. They don't
0: need to go to it. And that's, I think, the craziest part. And last year, and I think it also comes with the power play, which is, remember, in the playoffs, they went to five forwards at one point. They can do that again if they want to. They might not, but they can do it, and they could easily execute it if they wanted to. I want to bring up Anton Lindell. Well, the
1: only way they do that is if Ekblad gets hurt because they didn't have an Ekblad. You know, they didn't have an Ekblad.
0: It's one of those things that they could pull out of their bag of tricks if they need to. And it's just one of those things that not many teams could do it if they wanted to and be like, yeah, we'll do it. Why not? Don't care. Again, it's Joel Quenville's the guy who invented the defenseman at forward, basically, and got it to work somehow. So I might be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. On Anton Lindell, because when they signed him to an entry-level deal, I immediately assumed they're doing it because he's going to play almost entirely in the NHL. You don't do that with somebody like Lindell if he's playing most of the year in Charlotte. Now he's hurt up until now, basically – But what is the plan for him? Because if he had been playing, I I think we'd have more of an idea of what they were thinking they wanted to do with him. But because this team's got so much depth, and maybe with some of the injuries, that changes a little of the paradigm. But what is their plan for Lundell? Because I've thought when people have predicted the Calder race, they've talked about Spencer Knight, and I've thought Lundell's might be a bigger chance to win the Calder than him because he is good. And if he gets any run in the top six, watch out. But we haven't seen him yet. So what is... The plan from the team to get Lundell into the lineup, and what's the plan for him the regular season?
1: Yeah, I mean we're going to have to. You know, I, I think we're still in wait and see mode. I mean we're you know just over a week before the the season starts, and we still haven't seen Lundell outside of you know the prospect tournament in Wesley Chapel. So uh you know I know Joel Quinville really likes this guy. Uh, you know, really likes him. The management really likes him. The European scouts who watched him last year love him. Um, but he just hasn't had the time. I mean, yesterday Monday was his first practice with the team. Um, and for you know, when you've got like I said, as many t- people trying to make this team, um, it I don't know what kind of message you send if the guy that just showed up a week later is in the you know is on the opening night lineup. When he can easily just go to. Charlotte play a couple weeks get his legs and come back um but you know that said maybe you know in Tampa on Thursday night you know he scores a hat trick and has a couple of you know who knows what's going to happen so um just based on what we've seen we've seen one practice in zero games I you know I wouldn't be shocked if he starts the season in Charlotte and I don't think you know anybody would based on that but He's got two games left. He's got a you know, week of practice. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. It's
0: interesting with him because there is so much that you can say about him being a player that on previous Panthers teams, he probably would have been a lock to make it. I think maybe that's the, the sign oh, of how good this absolutely. one is, is that he's not close to a lock, even though I, I had constantly assumed that it might be the case. And the other forward we haven't talked about on this show No, yet, he was a you? lock.
1: Coming well, into camp, he was a lock. Coming well, into
0: we'll, camp, he was a lot. Well, we'll see where, where this goes with hopefully he gets healthy because I have wanted to see him but play. We did,
1: but we didn't know he was going to miss half of camp. You we know what did I mean? Not.
0: Injuries so are annoying, that's man. that's the difference. The one other forward I wanted to talk about, um, well, outside of another topic, but it is, uh, is Joe Thornton because when he came to the team, it, it kind of maybe that was the moment when it really hit me, man, this team's going to be good because Joe Thornton – yeah. He wants his name on the cup bad and if he's coming to Florida to chase it that means he thinks he's got a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup with the Panthers which is an amazing sentence to say uh we haven't seen him either because he's been hurt but what do yeah. you think the role for him is going to be because while he's not the same sort of explosive athlete he was 10-15 years ago he still has the ability to pass the hell out of the puck he's still got great hands and his brain hasn't gone anywhere so what what's the role for him? Because in Toronto, he played up the lineup a lot more than you would have expected.
1: Yeah, he definitely, or especially early in the season, um, you know, last, you know, in, in Toronto, he definitely got some top six time and then was, you know, dropped back down. And I think here in Florida, you know, he was looked at as a bottom six guy. He started the season centering the third line, you know, third line, which we had kind of penciled Anton Lindell into that spot. Um, before they signed Joe Thornton. Um, and once you sign Thornton, you know, you you kind of put him there, and the Panthers did. Um, but, you know, he's only practiced a couple of times, but he gets the pass. Let the, let the 42-year-old guy rest his legs. He'll be fine. You know what you're getting out of him. But I think, you know, maybe he takes over the fourth line with Achari. He could play on the right side or the left side of a wing. You know, that's what I think that, that Bill Zito – On the ice, off the ice, we we, we don't need to talk about Joe Thornton and what he means to the Panthers and just like the things you said. Um, But on the ice, they feel like Joe Thornton can play anywhere you want him to. Um, If, you know, Sasha Barkov takes a stick to the the nose and has to go to the locker room, you can put Joe Thornton up on that top line and he can run it for you Um, and and you'll be fine. You don't want to do that for five games in a row – but you can do it in an instant and he'll be just fine. So I, I think they like that versatility. Um, they obviously like his leadership and they're going to, you know, they're going to manage that. So right now you've got Luce Duran uh centering that third line. I don't know if that's going to change. And I don't think we're going to see, I don't know what we're going to see Thursday in Tampa now that they've brought up some of the, you know, some of the AHL guys. So I don't know if any of the lines are, you know, they'll all be jumbled then. Um, so, as far as Joe goes, he can do whatever he wants, really.
0: I find that they brought them up. We're recording this Wednesday, by the way, in case people are listening to this late. Uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, whatever, the 6th of October. Happy wild Wildcard Day. Uh, we're, uh, I think they brought some of these guys up because they realized, they don't want to get anybody else hurt after the last game against the Lightning. Yeah. And I think they figure, eh, there might be some more stuff happening. They don't, want to get, they don't want to get people hurt, and they're already a little dinged up in some positions. We have to talk about Sasha Barkov and the contract, because it is becoming a little bit more of a story. I, if you had told me a couple months ago that it wouldn't have been done by this point, I would have been a little surprised. I still think it's going to get done. Uh, David Dwork, our friend, has reported that the negotiations are moving on, but slowly, seen some stuff from Pierre Lebrun that says they think they could get it done in a couple of weeks. What are you hearing, and uh, what do you expect for numbers, if you have any intel on that?
1: Nobody's talking numbers. Nobody's, you know, I just keep getting that. Don't worry. It's getting done. Relax. It's getting done. Um, you know, Barkov doesn't want to go anywhere else. He's not holding out for anything. Um, right now he's leaving it completely up to his representatives. Um, so that means money, right? I mean, that means bonuses that, you know, that means all the, 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 the legalese and stuff. Um, I think Barkov basically told his guys, get it done. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, what are we today's Wednesday? A week from today, we have something, something done. Wow, that I know, I know everybody. Th- yeah, I, I think, I think, I think they signed. something. Gets announced before the season starts, um, and that's just that's just you know a gut feeling because you know I always get you know people talking. Um, these are not contentious negotiations. They're they're negotiating some stuff. Bill Zito is a former agent who is now in charge of a uh you know a salary cap team that is going to be as close to the cap as possible because the the cap's only going up a million dollars a year. I mean everybody saw the ESPN and TNT money and was hoping that you know you'd see an NBA type salary cap where in one year it you know it doubled and you've got these you know seventh guy getting 40 million dollar contracts that's not happening in the NHL. The 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 salary cap's only going up like by a million dollars. So pretty soon you've got you've got Barkov this year, you know, next year Barkovs get his new contract. But after that you've got Huberdo. Then you've got to worry about Aaron Ekblad and then you and you've got in between that you've got McKenzie Wieger. So a lot of people within the Panthers in the next 2-3 years are going to be getting paid um, and anything you can save, you know, will help to keep other players. And I'm sure that's being, you know, told to to, to Sasha's representatives. Um, not that it's his problem per se. Um, hey, that's your job. You figure it out. But, you know, I, I think that whatever Barkov gets, That'll be the ceiling, right? Nobody will get more than Barkov. So whatever Barkov gets, then, you know, then, then that's where you begin and work, work backwards when it comes to Huberto, Ekblad, and, and Uyghur. Um Well, Huberto and Ekblad. Wieger's not in that spot yet, so.
0: I, th- I thought when Brainpoint Point signed his contract, which was 9.5 five A V over eight years, I was like, that's the Barkov deal. I thought immediately. Now, it yeah. could be a little bit different, but that's what I thought because the teams are in very, very similar spots there's no comparing because of state taxes and what have you. I thought, I mean, sure. that's also the salary structure of the Lightning. It might be a little different for the Panthers. I think if it comes in something around that, then everybody's going to be happy. That was my guess. I still think that's my guess. But I, don't, I didn't also expect it to take this long, but I also expected it wouldn't be contentious and they're going to get it done. And I think well, by the end of the month, it'll be done. Uh, it seems like that's where all the tea leaves are pointing. Uh, speaking of players who might need a contract in the future. That might be Spencer Knight. So let's go to goaltending. Now, losing Sam Montenegro on waivers might have changed the equation a tiny bit. But Mm. I figured at the start of this season, they'd still play Bobrovsky more because you kind of want to ease Spencer Knight into it. I mean, everyone's going to remember Game 5, and that's a moment that we can all have. But he's still very, very young. He's only 20 years old, I think. And there's a lot more for him to learn about playing in the constant grind of the league as opposed to last year in the weird fits and stop starts because of the pandemic. So I thought it would be something like 55-ish for Bobrovsky, 20 to 30 for Spencer Knight in the NHL, and then AHL minutes because I'm assuming he's not going to the Olympics. Now that they've lost a goalie and there's other situations going on, what do you think their plan is? Has it changed, or am I on the right track with how they might deploy goaltending this season?
1: I I would think going in that's that yeah I, I I think somebody's going to get 50 games, and that 50 is probably going to go to Sergey Bobrovsky um but things can change on a dime if you were you know we were going into the playoffs you know not thinking that that Spencer Knight would play at all and here he is your starter in game five so things change pretty quickly and and Spencer Knight is an extremely talented goaltender um a a special special talent I've never listen I've been covering this a long time and I put I put nothing into preseason games. Honestly, I don't. I cover them because people like reading about them. People like talking about them. Frank Petrano had a had a hat trick the other night. That was great. You know, they threw, people threw some hats on the ice. That, that was fantastic. Last night, I was I was so impressed with Spencer Knight and the way he handled things last night. Um, I know all of Tampa Bay's big guns weren't out there, but he was so calm. He was so cool. He was so collected. And that's how he is all the time. He's a goalie who doesn't let things bother him. And, and, And players playing in front of him, Feel that as well, right? I mean, there you see goalies sometimes on the ice, and they give up a goal, and you can just feel the air deflating. I don't think you see that with Spencer Knight, and that's why Game Six was so surprising that they were able to get to him a little bit, um, and and you know get a get a get a handful of goals on him. Um, I think he's going to push Sergey Bobrovsky, but again. The Panthers are very confident that Bob's going to come back this year and, and really be good. So uh, Bob, Bob hasn't had somebody push him in a long, long time. And I know that sounds funny that Chris Drieger was just here, but I don't think anybody, you know, everybody knew what Drieger's situation was. He was, you know, he was a, a, a dreaming kind of goalie, can, you know, got cut, got the minor league deal. He's the backup. And now he got good and he's a free agent, so he's gone anyway. This is different. Now, Sergei Bobrovsky has got some competition, and if he wants to keep the job, he's going to have to keep the job.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. But I still think with Knight, because you have the ability to get him AHL minutes and because there's going to be a position in the season if they go to the Olympics where unless he is absolutely out of his mind good, he's not going, he could get some games in Charlotte, which will be helpful. He's not sitting around for yeah. a couple of weeks. I mean, it's, it's all a matter of making sure you have it sorted. But you don't need to necessarily sort it now. It's sorted by the playoffs. And that's, that's what the hope is. Because even throughout that series, I didn't have any issue with uh, starting Bobrovsky in Game 1. I did have them pulling him in Game 4, Game 2. That I didn't like. And I think that cost them in some ways because they pulled their
1: card yeah. too early.
0: That's what I think. But...
1: It's interesting, and I think that, and I think that the way Driggs had played throughout the year, you know, he, he he gave them that opportunity to to make that choice because Driggs had been so good, and that's how they had kind of shuttled. But but the playoffs are a different animal. I do think they panicked. You're right. Yeah.
0: And the case is now. He was never trigger was never going to stay because of Bobrovsky's contract and because of Knight, you should, it was never going to happen. So it's not a surprise. But I, I still think that it's fifty to fifty-five for Bobrovsky, something along the lines of thirty for Knight, and he'll get his twenty to thirty in the uh, NH and the AHL as well. Do you think they're going to bring in another goalie because now they don't have depth, or is that just because they're sharing the affiliate with Seattle? They don't need to do that this year.
1: Yeah, they they really don't need to do that this year. I mean, I think they will try and find somebody out there. I you know I know you know they've got you know the, the the goalie guild or whatever it is here um they'll be looking you know when they they'll be looking for some depth they really like Christopher Gibson um they were not surprised that somebody took Sam Montenbo um they they you know they they kind of knew that they were going to lose a goalie and they they figured it might be Sam um we'll see what happens with him in Montreal maybe he gets a you know a new lease on his career he's obviously still a young kid i mean it's way too early to give up on him but um you know with Knight and Bob beard, you know there really isn't room for him so um i think they'll we'll be looking for somebody i mean you, you wouldn't mind putting somebody in in in, in greensville um you know at the ECHL but Seattle'll be giving you a goalie so you've got a ba- you know you've got two goalies you know, set for Charlotte. Um, you know, and you always want a third. You know, so you, we'll see what happens. But there'll be goalies available. There, there always are. And you know, I'm sure they they are they're, they're 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 looking at potential candidates and and see what happens after final cuts are made.
0: So where do you think this this ends? Because my opinion, and I'll talk about it more when we do our next show. But my opinion of it is, I'll focus on the regular season and winning one series. After that, we take it as it comes because the playoffs are a lottery. But the goal for the Panthers is bare minimum win a series this year. They're, this team's too good not to, even in a tough division. Yeah. Uh, so where sure. do you think this all ends, not just regular season but postseason? Because this team, and I also make this point, because it's going to get brought up at some, at some stage, do not root for this team to finish fourth just so that they can play in the Metro Division playoffs. That is a horrible Horrible thing to root for, and it won't work the way you think it will. They're going to have to beat the good teams in the Atlantic at some point anyway if they're going to go where they want to go. So, where do yeah. you think this ends? Because I'm not sure I can predict them above Tampa, Toronto, Boston yet, even though I'd like to. I can make an argument. And do you think, is this the year that, after 26 years of complete futility, is this the year where it finally breaks and they get that playoff series win?
1: It very well could, because you've also got you've got experienced players in key, in key roles. You've got your guys, your guys that have grown up in the organization, um, who have now been through a couple playoff series. You know, they were all here for 16. Um, you know, they were in the bubble, uh, in that, in that Islander series, which, you know, I don't know what anybody took out of that, but, but last year, again, I think really helped, um, you know, kind of mature this team and, I, I again, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they're good enough to be a, a Stanley Cup contender, but you can't say, oh, they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Just like you can't, you you couldn't say last year that Tampa Bay was going to repeat. Um, it, it's just a, it's a crapshoot once you get at. But you need to win the first round because you can't do anything until you win one and move on. Um, I think I think right now Tampa Bay and Florida, the top two teams in the Atlantic. Um, I, I think maybe this is the year that Boston starts to to, to show its age a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm you know I know Toronto can score a ton of goals. Uh, Toronto's good, we know that, but but you know they've got some some psyche issues, I guess. You know with 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 some of the exits they've had. So um, I, I think Florida's on the rise. Tampa Bay's probably coming down a peg, but you know they're still as good as anybody in the league, and and you know they know what to do. But I don't know. You know, last year it was different because they knew top four, yeah, we got that. We don't have to worry about nothing. We just have to finish top four in this division. Um, and I think it's kind of the same. You you really just have to finish in the top four in, in the Atlantic and you're going to make the playoffs. Tampa Bay, no problem. So, um, I mean, this could be Florida's division to win this year.
0: I, there are reasons why I would make that argument. I still can't do it. Although, I want to make this for an anxiety ball point. If the Panthers and Leafs play in the playoffs, I mean, I, I thought the Leafs' exits were psychologically damaging before. But if they lose a series to a team that hadn't won one in 26 years, the only one that has a longer drought than them. <sighs> now, I know, we know plenty of people up there in Toronto who follow the Leafs. And the amount of chaos that would ensue, I mean, there, there's part of me that enjoys that. But also, the other thing I think we all want is the drive for the 3 for the Lightning to have to go through the Panthers again. That that's where this should end. We need another Panthers Lightning playoff series. And if Florida somehow beat them in the playoffs and ended the drive for a three-peat, well the rivalry goes through the stratosphere if that happens. And if this is what they're like in a preseason game, if they play in the playoffs with even higher stakes than they played for last time, I I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, no, that would that would be uh incredible theater. Um, that would be a lot of fun to watch for sure. And, you know, again, uh, the, you know, you, you can, you can make an argument that the two teams in Florida are the best in the East. Um, I think Carolina has got something to say about that. We know what Carolina can do. We know the team they've got. Um, but yeah, you know, it's going to be a fun year and the, you know, expectations honestly have never been higher because even in 96, um, that team was so new and that was such a Cinderella story. Um, had they gotten off to a rough start that ninety six ninety seven team, you know, I think people were just, well, oh, okay, well, you know, that was fun. We'll see how the, you know, let's just, but that team got off on a, on a terrific tear and really ramped up the expectations only to, you know, come crashing to earth. Um, this year, this year's team, I, I think there's, there's already that excitement level and, uh, you know, we'll just see where it goes from here.
0: Last one for you. Of course, we'd love talking to you, George, and obviously, all his stuff on florida hockey now he's filming youtube videos now it's great i love it um talk about where this team sits in the marketplace in south florida because i've joked in the past that they've had opportunities to own this place own that sports scene and they haven't done it but they got a chance now the dolphins are bad the miami hurricanes are bad the marlins are always bad the heat might not be a championship level team This is a chance for the Panthers to absolutely own the discussion in South Florida a way they've never done before. And that translates for a team that, you know, let's be honest, it loses money every year, and they could really capture a fan base this year. How do you think the broader South Florida sports scene is taking to this
1: team being as good as it possibly could be? You know, it's it's South Florida. I I think you've got a lot of casual fans who – Who pay attention to the Panthers and but they just they they don't follow it. They hear it, you know the updates in the morning, you know the next day. Panthers are a four two winner. Oh good, the Panthers are doing pretty good. Oh hey Joe, did you see the the Panthers are playing good? And when they lose, nobody knows. Oh that was a four three loss in a shootout. It was you know what a weird you know great game. Oh they lost. So you've got this whole big thing of casual fans who only care if they win and they only care if they lose and then they just ignore them. So if the Panthers are able to get off to a good start, I think you're really going to pick up the local interest from people that all they do is they just want a winner. And I think that there's so many fans in South Florida who aren't necessarily Panther fans who you have to prove that this team is good to because they've heard it so many years before Panthers are going to be good. You know, Joe, my Panther fan, he's my best friend is a Panther fan. He tells me they're going to be really good this year, and then they're not. And then, you know, so these other guys are like, oh, yeah, you know, you said that last year. You said that five years ago. Where's it been? So now this team, after last year, really has an opportunity to build on last year. The Panthers haven't had consecutive good seasons in a long, long time. But all the pieces are there for them to really take hold in this market. They're never going to be more popular than the Dolphins or the Hurricanes. They used to be more popular than the Heat, but that that ship has sailed.
0: Well, you're right. Here you are. This was a great opportunity for this team to truly take control of the marketplace. Thank you again, George, for coming on. We appreciate it and can't wait to talk to you down the line.